In the last few years, my younger brother, Kevin, has really gotten into the sport of tennis. Uh, if, if I'm a golf nut, my brother, Kevin, has turned into a tennis nut over the years. And last month, on his honeymoon with his wife, he and his wife, they went to France. They decided to take a day and go to Monaco. They were down on the French Riviera and did a little day trip to Monaco. And while he was there, the one thing my brother wanted to try to do was to get a peek at the, Monaco, at the Monte Carlo Country Club. Now, I don't really know what the Monte Carlo Country Club is because I don't really watch tennis very much, but to a tennis fan, the Monte Carlo Country Club is actually a pretty big deal. It's where most of the big tennis players live and train, and it hosts a very prestigious tournament every year, uh, the Monte Carlo Masters. It's a very private country club, and my brother wanted just to simply see the place and look out over its famous clay courts. And so he sort of dragged his wife along with him uh, for a little excursion to try to just go to the front door and just see if they could get in. And eventually, they opened a few doors and found their way miraculously to the reception area. And the lady asks behind the desk, can I help you? And the question they had settled on to ask was, where's the bar? That was all they asked. Where was, where's the bar? And the lady said, oh, right this way. Come on in. And so they were led out to this beautiful patio, this beautiful bar overlooking the Mediterranean with the clay courts below them. It was absolute paradise. They could see yachts as well. They were living their best life in Monte Carlo. And more than once, a waiter came up to them while they were there and said, are, are you supposed to be here? This is a private club. And they just said, well, the lady at the front desk said we could be here. And the guy shrugged and was like, okay, cool. You guys can just stay here for as long as you'd like. They were able to have this truly once-in-a-lifetime experience just by, by opening a door and asking a question. In our gospel today, brothers and sisters, Christ instructs his disciples on how to pray, but more importantly, he instructs them to ask, to seek, and to knock, to implore God the Father to help us in whatever situation we might find ourselves, in whatever need we might be presented with. He's instructing his disciples about how to pray. Prayer, brothers and sisters, is the lifting up of the heart and mind to God. It's the definition that our catechism gives us. And among the most common prayers we can offer are prayers of petition. And that's really the focus of Jesus in our gospel. Now, strangely enough for us human beings, brothers and sisters, it can sometimes be difficult to ask for things. Now, internally, we might want a lot of things, but it can be difficult to actually verbally pronounce it and to ask for them. We don't want to intrude sometimes. We don't want to bother. We don't want to be rude to the person who we're asking the question to. We don't want to seemingly ask too much of that person or to ask too often. Or maybe even on the other side of the coin, we can think that if this person says no, it's going to turn out worse for us, that we're going to get blamed, that we're going to be blacklisted or whatever that might be. Now, when asking human beings, these things can certainly come into play, brothers and sisters. We have to sometimes be prudent about how and when we ask for things if we're asking of something from another human being, because we are imperfect. But in prayer, brothers and sisters, we're not just asking anyone. We're asking God, our loving Father. We have a God, believe it or not, who wants to be bothered by our requests who wants to be interrupted 
frequently, who wants to be incessantly pressed upon by us, his children, for our intentions. And if anything, the more difficult, the more vexing, or the more fraught the request might be, the more God wants to hear it. And in fact, the more we need to bring it to him as well. Whether it's Abraham imploring God to save a few righteous people in a city of serious sin, whether it's someone praying for a loved one suffering from cancer, praying for a child or a sibling who's dealing with depression or anxiety or fallen away from our Catholic faith, oftentimes the petitions we most need to bring to God are the things that are nearest and dearest to our hearts. And we need to bring God into that situation. That's why we pray after all. And that can only be a good thing for us, brothers and sisters. Because really, it's the asking that is the most spiritually beneficial for us, even more than the receiving, if God were to grant our request. Because it is by asking that we surrender a bit of that situation over to Christ. It's by asking that we acknowledge that we aren't fully in control of our lives. And by asking, we, greater, we more rely on God, our Almighty Father, the source of everything, the source of our existence. All three of these things I just mentioned, surrendering the situation, acknowledging our inadequacy, and our reliance on God are essential to our growth in our faith. And we aren't going to progress in our Catholic faith without them. The primary way we gain these things and grow in them is through prayer. It is immensely, infinitely spiritual beneficial for us to pray, to set time aside to be with God, to pour out our hearts to him, to give him whatever is going on in our lives and entrust it to him. And if it be God's will that we receive what we ask for in prayer, then praise God. It's an amazing thing to recognize that God's hand is at work. But if not, then by bringing it to God, we are better able to accept his plan and his will as wiser than our own. There's this inherent trust in God's plan when we bring an intention to God our Father. Now, we aren't changing God's plans if God answers our request. God knows what he's going to do to dispense and to grant to us. But really, the purpose of this prayer is to conform our will to God's. It's the most important thing we can gain. St. Augustine describes this quite well. He says, God commands us to do what we can and to ask for anything beyond our power. And by his help, he enables us to do it. And I would maybe add on to that on those things that are maybe beyond our power that we bring to God our Father. Either he will grant our request or show us that he is with us in that struggle and in that trial. And both of those outcomes, no matter what, are spiritually beneficial for us. We are, both of those things, we are better off than we were if we had just been on our own without having brought it to God. Finally, I want to call to mind the example of a wonderful saint in prayer. She's actually one of the patron saints of our archdiocese, St. Rose Philippine Duchenne. She was a missionary, of course, in the American West and spent a lot of time in Kansas with the Potawatomi Indians. 
And the name that the Indians gave this woman, St. Rose Philippine Duchenne, was Woman Who Prays Always. Woman Who Prays Always. If only you and I prayed enough and well enough that that was the thing with which we were known for. Prayer is our lifeline to God, brothers and sisters, our communication with the divine. We have to make time for it in our lives. We spend more time on our phone each day than we do in prayer. And what does that say about us? So let us this week recommit to daily prayer, to time with the Lord, that time set aside for him, to bring him our needs, our struggles and our worries, and place it at the foot of the cross. For we have a God who wants to hear us, to answer us, and more importantly, to be with us in our lives. But that only happens if we ask, seek, and knock at his door. So may we never tire of asking, seeking, or knocking, imploring God each day to be with us, and pray that we can surrender our needs and our lives over to God, who desires to give good gifts to us, his children.